The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a Wednesday. Children, Gary. How are you? <laughs> Welcome, my children. Welcome, children. <laughs> Class. <laughs> Class. <laughs> Shut up. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Sister, yes. Sister Mary Elephant. <laughs> we are now dating ourselves. I know. As we, we, you know, we mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. That's almost a half century old. Yeah, Cheech and Chong. In fact, I think it is a half century old. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Oh, they, they still got it. <laughs> I saw uh, a, a stand-up routine they did. Uh, it's... I, I don't know, it may be two or three years old, but it's not that old. And they were still right on it. We're I ta- mean, we're talking Cheech and Chong. Yeah. Just, yeah. And it was amazing. It was amazing. They're, they're very funny. That I shouldn't have been listening to those albums at that age. <laughs> I remember when, uh, when Nash Bridges was on. Uh, yeah. With, uh, Don Johnson and, yeah. and, uh, Cheech was his partner. Yeah. And, uh, Tommy Chong made an appearance. He was he he, yeah. he owned a head shop. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> they didn't want to make his character too much of a stretch. Well, uh, <laughs> and, and is it typecasting if it's true about <laughs> the actor? Now that's typecasting, right? That's real typecasting, exactly. Well, they just took you in your real life and just. Put it on the screen. Yeah, completely it, accurate typecast. It was almost a docudrama. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Tommy. We're just going to follow you around for a couple of days. All right. You know, I, I was uh, I, I saw this uh, yesterday. We had um, uh, we had uh, uh, played yesterday a audio cut from Rachel Maddow on MSNBC. Yeah. You know, and you know, analyzing everything that was uh, that was uh, you know going on and you know in the uh, uh, Republic or the Iowa caucus caucuses and and it was interesting because uh part of what she also did yesterday is the fact that she would not play you know any of president trump's speech afterwards Mm -hmm. and she said the reason is because you know they're trying to get to the truth at msnbc and so they don't want to give anybody the unfiltered ability to tell a lie Uh 
which, of course, yeah. when I saw that yesterday, just a huge roar of of laughter. But I think it's I think it's important to show you the mindset of you know the people on the uh, the the left as they promote without any evidence yeah, that uh, right. Trump is going to be this type of authoritarian who is going to jail people secretly and. Uh, who was it last week that said uh, that, oh, it was uh, Whoopi, mm. uh, that yeah. uh, L- LGBTQ people will just disappear off the street? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're making crap up all along. Do we hide that? No. Do we hide anything? Do we hide any of the left's lies? N- no, we use it for something called content. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That you want to know the difference between conservatives and liberals there it is right yeah. there. Yeah. Why would you be what well we're not we're not going to play anything from we're not going to play anything from Trump because he lies. Mm-hmm. Uh and you know our, and our opinion is well we will play everything from everybody uh you know we, again we don't play everybody we, we we're not a show of audio cuts the entire 5 hours. We only Let's have 5 clear. hours, yeah. So. Right, but 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 the fact is if that's what you do if you're a news network and you play you play speeches, you play all the speeches. Mm-hmm. And but the other thing is there isn't an issue where the Democrats lie or MSNBC lies or Rachel Maddow lies that we would ever hide it. Right. We would never say, well, we're not going to play it because we because what she's saying is we're not going to play this because we believe that our liberal audience is too stupid. Yeah. They're too moronic. They can't. We cannot have a debate and say, all right, this politician is saying something that is a lie and we'll tell you why it's a lie. There's only one reason, in my humble opinion, that she will not play things from Donald Trump. She believes it's effective. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about it, uh, this story and and how it compares uh, or, or maybe folds into uh, the judge not letting him make his own closing statement. Yeah. Uh, closing argument. And so the thought, I was thinking, okay, well, why not? You know, you might, on the surface, you could go, well, it could turn into a circus. Yeah, but you're the judge and jury. You get to, you get, you get to yeah. sit there, at, and you can also, if you think it's getting out, out of hand, you can say, okay, enough, Right. If it's if he stepped out of line at any point, you're in full control. So what is it? Well, it's the fact that, and I've heard this repeated over the years, even before he ran for president, that when he's in the room, he can convince you of anything. He can sell you anything is the way it was uh, uh, put in the business world. He's a guy who could sell you anything. You know, if you put him on shark tank every episode they'd all buy into it every time and that's just the 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 persona that he has and i thought what is the judge afraid of what is msnbc afraid of what is anybody afraid of when he's talking because i would say from this side i would say and we've said it many times he talks to the media sometimes to a fault he answers questions probably a little bit too much at times. Oh. So if you're on the left, yeah. what are you afraid of? What you're afraid of 
is that he's going to convince people. Right. And there's there's no way around that. So, you know, then the question is, all right, let's say he wins November 5th and he becomes president again. You're not going to carry the speeches? I mean, I don't expect him to carry, uh, you know, like Fox News did when he was president. They would carry any time he stopped in front of Marine One and talked to the media. They would often play, you know, that. I don't expect NBC to do that. But if he's giving a... If he's giving a speech somewhere, you're going to play it. You're going to cut in. You're a news channel. You got 24 hours to to fill. And if the president's talking, if he becomes president again, are you going to play that? Because my thought is, is again, you know, my concern is uh, when he talks too much, he gets himself in trouble. By the way, he's said that before. He's oh, yeah. admitted that before. Yeah. And... So what are you afraid of if you're on the left? Well, we're not afraid. I don't care whether it's a Republican who lies or a Democrat who lies. We're going to bring it to you. I mean, if it's an issue of importance and it's in the news, we're going to bring it to you. We're not going to. It's impossible to bring you every lie of every politician. But with the major issues out there and, you know, we would never sit there and say before somebody makes a speech, we're going to censor it from you. Because we're afraid this person will lie. Otherwise, we'd never play Kareem Jean-Pierre. We would never play Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Right. We would never play the va- the vast majority of what we play is people actually lying. Yeah. Think about that. That's the difference between the conservative mindset and the liberal mindset. Mm. We're not afraid of anything. No. We're not afraid we're not we're not media cowards uh we're not uh, actually we're not what they are which is they claim that they're news people trying to get the truth when they're political activists mm-hmm. we're talk show hosts we admit to you you know the people call us once in a while and go i love you guys because you're completely unbiased and we say well you're using the wor- wrong word we're completely biased yeah no we're biased right. in our opinions we, now we, we t- go after the republicans uh, and and the Democrats, if we if we're not happy with the Republicans, uh, what you should read into that is is that they used to be a party that was capable, and we believe most I I believe most represented me, and while that still is the case technically, more and more they have moved further left. Well, I don't have to lie to promote my bias. Right, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. We don't have to lie to promote our bias. Mm-hmm. Because our biases are opinions, which are based on facts, because we have no time to waste. Apparently, a lot of the other political activists in the media do have time to what they, you know, what they view as uh, uh, their journalism, which is lying about what's going on. Mm -hmm. We don't feel we have any time to do it. Others may believe that's what they wish to do. We don't wish to do that. No. We would view that as a waste of time. There's no reason that you and I would do this show if we were simply promoting propaganda. Right. We wouldn't do it. No. Now, people will say, well, you guys promote what you believe, and that's propaganda. Not really. No, no, it's not. Propaganda to me is when you lie on a consistent basis or, you know, you just you tell half of the part story. Of the, I was going to say, you only right. tell a fraction of the story. You tell a fraction of the story and keep the other part out of it. Right. We have no interest in doing that. But I think it's important just to point out for anybody out there who's just getting involved and starting to pay attention, ask yourself that question. Why is the left 
afraid of the opposition, whether it's the tr- whether they believe it's the truth or a lie. Why would they be afraid to promote it and then, if it's a lie, attack it? Mm-hmm. Because the point is, as, as we, it's obvious. I mean, we have a blast with the lies from the left. Oh yeah, it's entertaining yeah. as hell. Oh yeah. So from a from a broadcasting entertainment value we love you know it. you can tell the truth <laughs> and you can have tremendous value roaring in laughter over the obvious well let's use let's use one of the biggest ones the border is secure uh-huh did they did msnbc when they had mayorkas on did they did they stop him from speaking when he said the border is secure is there a bigger lie on an issue of substance in America right now, have they banned um, uh, the the original climate change czar Al Gore from MSNBC after he admitted? You know, I know it was years ago, but did they ever ban him for admitting that he lied about ethanol? That's part of their core agenda. Well, the, look, the the uh, MSNBC, in, including Rachel Maddow, promoted Russia collusion, which was a lie from the beginning. Yep. So, I mean, this in and, and that's the thing, you know, oh, well, it was a tough decision. We don't like doing it, but but uh, we want our audience to be exposed to the truth. That's a lie. Well, and then they, <laughs> they turn the whole uh, Trump tax documents into a Bigfoot series. Oh, yeah. Remember that one? Remember the episode that she had? She got burned big time. You know, we finally yeah. found Bigfoot and we're going to yeah. unveil Bigfoot at the end of the show. Yep. Well, there was nothing really there. There was nothing there. I, it, it's over and over again, you can see it. So what are they afraid of? They're afraid that he'll convince people. Yeah. And by the way, there was there was there were a few people taking note of, you know, the Trump's proper tone in his victory speech in Iowa. Oh, yeah. You know, bringing people together. Yeah. It's like, okay, look, you and I have been doing this for a long time. We see it. We've seen it from him before. If he took the proper tone and then carried that and it was no longer about, you know, going after people on uh, social media or anything else, uh, you know, things I I don't know. By the way, I wouldn't I wouldn't know what to do. (laughs) But beyond that, you know, yeah, he could convince a lot of people, I think. Well, we were the first we, we I think we're probably the only ones. That when it when it uh, when it became popular when Biden became president, see, see, you voted this guy in; he's an idiot, and you did it because of mean tweets. Mm-hmm. And and see, you could like you being the general public. Well, we said, well, there's another way to look at it, and that's the fact that if your goal is to win political office, because these people were admitting by saying that you're admitting Trump lost because. He was mean in tweets. Mm-hmm. Well, our point is, if he really cares about you as a voter and a supporter, he would stop the mean tweets and win the damn election. Well, he could pull in a ton of independents. Yeah. And, and, right. and when I say and, he and, could and, by way, people, and, and by the way, that's based on the opinion of those people who say he lost because of mean tweets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And we said, well, then, then what do you do? Then fix don't the mean tweets. Thing. Don't do the mean tweets. You don't need right. to do the mean tweets. Your goal is to win, not to do mean tweets. Right. And he again, said it when he was in. Uh... And again, I'm I'm doing this from the opinion of Trump supporters mm-hmm. who said that. 
He said in 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 North in when he went to have the it wasn't in North Korea, uh, but when he went to have the uh, the sit down with Kim Jong Un, he said to reporters, "It was the middle of the night here in the states." He said, "Look, you know, I'm I'm hopeful this could lead to something great." Now, of course, come back to me in a year, and you know me, I'll be something saying something totally different. Yeah, and that's something that he recognizes. Yeah. People don't hear those things. He knows it. We got a great show ahead. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. This preventative maintenance tip is brought to you by Hot Shot Secret, the country's number one fastest growing oil and additive company. If you've been driving a diesel any length of time, you know diesel fuel quality can be an issue. There are U.S. standards that diesel fuel is supposed to meet, like cetane number. Lubricity, aka wear protection, deposit control, but oftentimes the fuel at the pump falls short. Let's highlight diesel fuel's lubricity. Diesel fuel in the United States must have enough lubricity so the fuel does not produce a wear scar greater than 520 microns. The U.S. is much more lax on this specification, which leads to more fuel system failures here in the U.S. compared to other parts of the world. Without the proper lubrication, you run the risk of fuel pump and injector failures. This is why a premium additive is needed to keep lubricity levels in spec, to keep the fuel system protected and avoid costly repairs and downtime. Add Hot Shot Secret EDT Plus Winter Defense, a 7-in-1 anti-gel fuel booster at every fill-up to keep your fuel's lubricity within specification of U.S. standards and the Engine Manufacturers Association recommendation for lubricity to keep you from gelling. Learn more about the science behind diesel fuel and Hot Shot Secret's EDT Plus Winter Defense at HotShotSecret.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.
It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So that really goes to your uh, uh, not political mindset, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, but you know the, your mindset of a conservative versus a liberal. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's important to, uh, to to point out if you're a conservative, you're not afraid to bring up anything that's being said out there, no. whether you believe it's a lie or not. In right. fact, if it's a lie, you know, for Rachel Maddow to come out, you know, and say, well, you know, we Trump may not tell the truth here. And we'll bring you anything that's newsworthy, but uh, we're focused on the truth. Well, that's a lie to begin with, them and MSNBC, <laughs> right? So, I mean, you're lying by 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 saying that. And that's why we're pointing it out. Wasn't we, there a judge that said so? Yes. People don't go to her yeah. show for the truth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. There was a defamation lawsuit. They go, yeah. well, no, come on, nobody expects the truth. Nobody believes it. The judge actually said nobody expects right. the truth from Rachel Maddow. Exactly. And but but the fact <laughs> is. Uh, but understand, that's a very important difference. Yeah. Conservatives want we want to debate the truth, right? Liberals don't want to. Liberals, so we'll debate if somebody's lying and they disagree with us. We'll be the first to bring that up and go. Here's their justification. Let's tear it apart. Conservatives will go after conservatives yeah. if conservatives are lying. Yeah. Uh, Rachel Rachel Maddow uh, is afraid. She's afraid of what anybody, any Republican might say. That's why she's not playing it. Right. She's a coward because she can't argue it. Right. Otherwise, you'd play it. It's to your advantage to point out the lies of the opposition. Right. It's never a disadvantage to point out the obvious. If you believe that the opposition is obviously lying, the best thing to do is the, play it. The thing that makes you look and break it down. Right. The thing that makes you look great that will bring ratings to your show is pointing out the lies and doing it in a clear and concise way. Not that hard. She's a media coward, mm-hmm. is what she is. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, now a lot of questions after the Iowa caucus is about the low turnout of Republicans and asking the question why we did immediately. We said, "What's going on here?" Mm-hmm. Uh, expectations for uh, turnout. Uh, at the Iowa caucuses had been high heading into the year following record-shattering attendance in the last competitive GOP contest, but just over 110,000 voters participated in the 2024 caucuses, well below the high expectations for turnout uh, in 2024. There could be a number of reasons for the low turnout. A lack of enthusiasm among Republicans plus record-breaking weather seemed to stand in the way, keeping some voters home and the unprecedented caucus cold while others went out in the frigid temperatures. The 110,000 voters who participated in the 2024 caucus accounts for just under 15% of the state's 752,000 Republicans. Uh, In 2016, the Republicans set a new record 
uh, for turnouts for the caucuses with almost 187,000 GOP voters. Though the total made up only about a third of all registered Republicans, turnout at the 2016 caucuses greatly outnumbered the 2012 contest, which had about 122,000 voters. In 2008, the turnout was similar, with 120,000 voters making the 2024 Iowa caucuses turnout the lowest in more than a decade. Now, Mm. you and I said there could be a a couple of things that if you know the Trump's going to win, you're not going to go out. Yeah. You know, right. you're less yeah, likely to do so. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so you and I both agree that a possibility could be there isn't excitement about the primary, but there will be plenty of excitement for the general. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I look at it. Uh, who was it the other day that said, uh, you know, look, he really is the incumbent. Yeah. You know, because his base is solid. It's not moving. And so. When that's the case, the primary then takes less of a um, priority. I, I I do think that there are you know plenty of people out there that say, well, yeah, but I would like to give DeSantis a shot or whatever, or those three people in New Hampshire that say, you know, Nikki Haley would be great. Um, you see the latest, yeah, forty forty, yeah. In New Hampshire, Nikki and yeah. Nikki Haley and the late American research. Poll. You know, it's funny because I was telling a friend the other night, you know, you could give her New Hampshire. Then you move on to the south and it all goes to Trump. I mean, it, it, she might she might pull it off. I just don't see that being her momentum builder. Um, we'll see what happens. But, you know, that's the only we pointed out the other night. There really is no excitement for her who's out there promoting yeah i mean well that's because as you see what is it 40 percent of those of the people that would support nikki haley if she doesn't get the nomination will vote for biden yeah that's huge yeah and so you sit there and you think of the things that caught our attention when she said oh disney can move to south carolina it's like ooh, right you don't get it yeah, and that that started a succession of things that she would say, where we would go. You're not talking to the Republican base. Who are you talking to? Right. Are you looking to get more people in open primaries to vote for you, and that you view that that's your way maybe into it? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It it was interesting watching or watching uh, reading National Review, and uh, you know you and I've said with the number of writers there, they're probably because most of the time. You know, they, not that they don't talk politics because they did yesterday, but most of the time they're talking conservative issues. Yeah. Uh, but the one article was the Democrats 2024 plan is still working to perfection. Andrew McCarthy saying Republicans, basically, you're being set up again and you're being set up to lose again. Uh, then Charles Cook. Now what? His column. Let me just read a couple of paragraphs. So now what? I asked that earnestly, not rhetorically. Last night, Donald Trump won the Iowa caucuses. There seems little chance that Trump will stall out going forward, which means that he is almost certain to win the Republican nomination, which means that the already small chance of Joe Biden voluntarily stepping aside will disappear, which means we are now going to get another Biden versus Trump election. How some observers have asked, could we possibly be destined to have such another presidential contest that a supermajority of voters so obviously wishes to avoid. Well, this is how, ignoring all the warning signs, the parties have arranged a repeat. The rest of us will have to live with it. 
The less attractive the candidates are revealed to be, the more hysterical <laughs> the promotion on their behalf seems to grow. Mm. Uh, already I see an enormous amount of cajoling of uh, uh, you know, Biden fans insisting that voters are obliged to cast a vote for their man, lest American democracy perish. And we've talked about that. I mean, they've just gone into super overdrive on, on uh, that one. Trump fans insist that we have a binary choice between their hero and American decline. By November, these refrains will hit fever pitch. We will be told to unite, uh, to submit, to get on the train, to join the team, to enroll in the program. Do it, do it, do it is set to be the official slogan of 2024. But I won't, I won't do it. And nor I suspect will a lot of other people. Businesses that offer terrible products deserve to go out of business. Parties that offer terrible candidates deserve to lose. The Republicans know what the country thinks of Donald Trump. They know who Donald Trump is. Yet, uh, inexplicably, they are in the process of choosing him. Nevertheless, they, like the Democrats, must face the consequences of that choice. I get the sense that both parties think the public is bluffing. I don't think it is. Joe Biden is really, uh, is Joe Biden really is fatally unpopular. Donald Trump really is hated. Shout at me if you wish, but I relate this all calmly as a matter of dull fact. I understand that I have no right to a political party that shares my worldview or to a presidential candidate who I find acceptable. I also understand this works both ways. Over the last eight years or so, I've been told repeatedly by Republicans that they don't want my type in the coalition. Once again, they've got their wish. Congratulations. You don't want me. I don't want you. Let's call the whole thing off. Uh, Charles Cook, who the majority of the time when I read him, I get I get entertained. And I think he makes a lot of great, solid conservative points. I don't know about you. We haven't even discussed this column. I think it's sort of childish. Yeah, I don't I don't like that approach, and I don't agree. There were there there have been a couple of things along the way that that he's taken you know uh, this kind of approach, and and. Um, you know, I, I also don't like that approach of anyone that is saying, well, I'm not going to be force fed. I'm not going to be, uh, forced into deciding the lesser of two evils and everything else. Well, it's not required that you vote, but you look at where we are right now and you look at the, the possibilities, if there is any chance of turning the radicalism around, then it's going to be with Republicans in party. And I say that with a huge asterisk because my confidence in the Republican party has been waning for years. And it's still very much the case. Uh, they can't get it together in the house. We've seen that, that whole debacle. It's just melting. Uh, you have, you know, I don't know how many Republicans basically, ah, oh, well, okay, I'm not running again. And, it comes down to, you know, where we are as a society. It comes down to those districts where these, you know, uh, members of the GOP uh, were able to win. And then you go back and look at the history of, of those races that they won. Uh, whether it's, you know, uh, someone who's a, a freshman or someone who's been there for uh, a few minutes. You have to look at their performance in their district. And it, it gets down to what we have always said, your messaging. And if you can't get that across, then you're going to, you're not going to win as many districts. You're not going to win in the Senate. You're not going to win, 
your state. You're not going to get it done. And I don't know how you can't get the messaging right right well, now. Well, for, for this here, again, where he talks about the fact that, you know, Trump fans insist we have a binary choice between their hero and American decline. Well, if DeSantis was the look, if you look at the actual polling out there, DeSantis is he's very close to Trump in all the numbers. The right. only one who isn't is Haley. But that's because 40 percent of the people that would vote for her would vote for Joe Biden. But yeah, DeSantis yeah. is just as hated and just as demonized by the left as Trump based on the ratings. I mean, they may have more emotion, mm-hmm, but I'm mm-hmm. talking about based on the polling out there. Uh, DeSantis is not polling much better than Trump at all. So right. the demonization of Republicans is always going to be there. And I don't care whether it was and, and, and I'm just I'm going after his arguments that he's making and saying, well, those arguments would be there no matter who was running. Right. If it wasn't Biden who was running and it was and it was Kamala Harris, you would hear the exact same. You hear the exact same thing. They're going to say, if you don't vote for Kamala Harris, that democracy is going to end. If you if it was Newsom, they'd say the exact same thing. So he's simply taken a template of 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 where the reality is. And where the tribalism, there is some the tribalism that does exist in 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 both parties here uh, with the candidates that right now are in the lead. But the fact is, those arguments would be used whoever was running to begin with. Well, you could apply them to any election cycle, presidential election cycle in in modern history. Right, and and uh, there isn't an election that I've covered. Where people haven't called and said, well, you understand, you need to support this candidate. Otherwise, you don't care about America. Right. Well, yeah. that happens every election. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that, that's just a part of normal uh, uh, election. And that's why I view it as being, again, he says, uh, you know, where he, uh, where he said, um, um, I understand I have no right to a political party that shares my worldview or to a presidential candidate whom I find acceptable. Look, I understand that completely because you and I are both really in that group of people right now that is not happy with the Republicans. I don't believe, I I believe of, if you're talking about just winning alone, I still believe Trump is the weakest candidate to win the general election. Right. Uh, And, and the strong, the GOP out out of the GOP field. Now, uh, Nikki Haley, according to the polls is the strongest. I wouldn't want her. Yeah. There's no (laughs) way. Yeah. So, I mean, so it really doesn't matter who is, you know, who, who, uh, fares better in the polling right now in the general election. But as a political analyst, I would look and say, you know, Trump, can he still win? Yeah, he can still win. Do I have any more confidence now that he can win than I had a couple of months ago? As a lot of people seem to be moving in that direction? No, not yet. Right. I don't. It's too too soon. It's too soon to do it. Am I happy with where the Republican Party is going on the issues? No. Am I happy with how Trump is, uh, for the most part, I mean, last night I think he did a pretty good job because I think that soft Trump is a much better Trump when he still believes in the same issues, but he, he uh, you know, is more the, I'm embracing everybody to come aboard. But the thing right. is, that's not going to last. Right. Trump, Trump won successfully in 2016, I believe, because he was so cutting, he was so... You know, he he was so, you know, it's uh, my way because the old way hasn't worked at all. And, you know, it's whatever. But as president for four years, you you could see his faults. Everybody saw his faults. I don't know. There isn't one 
Trump supporter that I've talked to that doesn't understand the faults of Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Not one. Mm -hmm. Not one. And I've had people that come up to me and go, no, because Trump, I go, well, what about this? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so you admit that he doesn't tell the truth there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but the other side, I go, I understand that point, but you initially said, they all know. If you break it down with every Trump supporter, they know the weaknesses of their own candidate. Well, and but, this is, you know, this is a part of my reaction, you know, with the whole Charles Cook article. It, it's, I don't know where your unicorn is because I don't yeah. believe your unicorn exists. I would agree. And, you know, we could go back to 2000 with George W. Bush, you know, certainly with his father, you know. Um, and then, I mean, my gosh, you, you looked at like the imagery of Bob Dole in 96, you know, the media just went after him, but they had built Bill Clinton up into this icon for no reason, you know, and, and it's when conservatives look at things, we've got a pretty tough standard. There's no problem with having a tough standard. You just have to know that that unicorn is non-existent. 86690-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. The thing I do think about is, you know, the rhetoric is flying so great, especially from Democrats right now. Because mm -hmm. right now, in, even in the Republican Party, it's still internal because you've got the actual, uh, you know, de you know, debate going on between the candidates. But you see where the Democrats are. I mean, it's just like democracy is going to uh, to end. Trump is going to round up people and put them in prison. Mm -hmm. Trump's going to have a mercenary force. You know, all these things that are are not going to happen, but that's where they are right now. So, yeah, expect on the rhetorical side this thing to go where an election has never gone because Democrats can't win on any issue. And they can't defend Joe Biden. Yeah. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HowsProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. 
Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so um, just find it interesting some of the analysis after what happened that we expected to happen happened in Iowa. <laughs> it wasn't like there was anything, you know, new yeah. as as much as the, the hype machines were in were in uh, full force. And uh, we were just mentioning a couple of articles that were in National Review. One, Andrew McCarthy, who was writing the fact that Democrats are, their plan is working perfectly uh, to get uh, Trump in there and then Trump will lose big, you know, basically in uh, in November to uh, to to Joe Biden. Um, you know, the the certainty that people have, uh, I think, is a flaw because there is no certainty in this election. Uh, yeah. You have you have an election because we don't know. We, there are variables in this election that haven't existed before. You know, there's so much that we know now that we didn't know back uh, in in uh, in in 2020. You know, there's so right. much we know. Right. And, you know, and, and one of the things we do know is three years of of Joe Biden being in political office. The if if you're going to analyze this politically right now, who has the advantage? It is it is Trump. If it's, you put up Trump's four years or or I guess you could say, yeah. you know, uh, all of his years up to COVID, just say that. Right. That's not something he could control. And by the time, you know, I mean, you talk about the, the spending and all that. Um, it was it was past January 20th or 21 you know, when most of that stuff was was taking place, there's some stuff you could put on his plate with COVID. And I'm talking about the response to COVID. But if you if you carve the COVID out of it leading up to COVID and compare it to the three years of Biden. It's night and day when you when you compare it uh, on the specifics of the actual issues and where the Democrats stand on the issues, the American public I would say on the, on the major issues, it's between 65 and 70 percent of the public disagree with the Republicans on it. And I think that that other 30 to 35 percent is probably half of that is soft. Mm-hmm. Half of that is soft support for the, uh, the, 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 the Democrats. But we still live in a society where personality matters and tribalism matters and meanness matters. I know it may not to you, and it doesn't to me. I don't care. All I care about is when it gets to this level is performance. But there are people that do care. And and so uh, this is, again, I believe, Trump's to lose. And Trump has the ability to lose. Mm-hmm. He has the ability to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. He also has the ability to say the right thing at the right time. You know, you and I talk about the fact that in in July of 2020, if he would have kept the attitude and the tone that he had at Mount Rushmore. Yeah. That he would yeah. have had a much better chance of winning in that election yeah. because that was one of the best speeches. He has the ability to do so, but to give you an example of where he can't, attacking Ramaswamy the other night. Mm-hmm. Which just you that came out of everyone. I I didn't see anyone that said thank. I didn't see any Republican. Not, I didn't see any Trump supporters say thank God he attacked Ramaswamy. Right, you and then see? in New Hampshire, 
hints that he may have Ramaswamy may have a place in a Trump cabinet somewhere. Yes. yes. Which of course, or a role in the administration. Which, I don't know if which, it'll be a cabinet which of, role. Which of course happens, but it wasn't necessary for him to attack Ramaswamy. There was no well. It, there it, was no political reason to do so. Right. Not, it, it, you, you know, you thought you were bringing up ideas, and one idea was, you know, is it possible that he, that Trump believed he needed to gain, you know, he needed to be over fifty, and one way to do that was to go, uh, you know, go at Ramaswamy. You know. Our answer to that, if that were the case, would be, well, you don't actually have to do that. That isn't necessary. Um, It's a primary, and you can go through and say, that's wrong, he's wrong, she's wrong, whatever. But the, you know, that type of, uh, here's what what I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. That type of attack on social, you know, the the social media thing has changed. The echo chamber doesn't echo as long as it used to. There's still a lot of tribalism, but it's nothing compared to what it used to be. The point being, I don't think you need to do it any candidate needs to do it, but Trump is the I, one who I does it the most. I would say tribalism is at its peak right now. Yeah, I don't see that. Oh, without well, in the the the. No, the, I mean the the number of people. I mean, there are, it's still active, but the number of people doing it is way down. Well, by the sheer numbers. Well, it depends if you look at the fact that Trump isn't up based on the issues by. 30 points over Biden. Yeah. That's where the tribal now it may it's tribalism against Trump because well, of who he is. The, I guess the, of, the, of, or, or who they think he is. To to your point and, and it and, would be it would be how much of the tribalism remains and how much of it is active compared to where, you know, again, by the numbers as active as it was in 2020 or I don't think it was as active in, in 2016 yet. But the numbers are down. The overall numbers are down. It may be more concentrated. The overall numbers in what? I'm, I'm the not... number of people in that group that are down in terms of the tribalism. And I mean rank and file, not just people in the right media. Yeah, You know, it's, it is clearly different than it was in 2020. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with exactly what we pointed out. The two nominees are known quantities as president. Mm-hmm. That's rare. That's extremely rare that we're in a situation and both nominees of the two major parties are, in, are well, as good as incumbents. Well, I'll say this. You don't need a debate. I don't think you do. I really don't think you do this time. Oh, you're not going to get one. I, I I don't I don't think they're going to let Biden get on stage. No, I don't I don't think you will. I will say this: how it should end up, <laughs> if if how it should end up, whether whether I believe the majority of people are critical thinkers or not, mm. it would be based on economics. This would yeah. be my which yeah. is 
Econ- in, and economics is, you know, wh- you, how, how do you view who's doing the best thing, you know, for you? What you don't have in 2020 is still back in 2020 when Biden was elected. It was still everything was hypothetical. If we do this, this will happen. If we do this, this will happen. If we do this, this will happen. Right. And and so we already know that, you know, Trump was supposed to be this author- authoritarian and he wasn't when he was in office. Right. He didn't get away. Democracy wasn't close to ending or constitutional republic wasn't close uh, to ending by anything uh, that uh, that that Trump uh, uh, did. When you look at the Iowa the Iowa polling, the two most important things: illegal immigration and the economy, which is inflation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you look at the performance of now. I, I think that that Trump needs to pivot and and stop talking about his. If he's elected, he'll raise prices. Now, he's not saying that, but that's what he's communicating to me by saying 10% across the board tariffs right. and everything that comes into the country. Right. When the public realizes that you're promoting the fact that you wish to raise prices, purposely raise prices, they'll look and say, well, that's what the Democrats did. But most people view and say, no, Trump is somebody who's been in the business world. He wants the economy to succeed because he wants to succeed. Yeah. Right. So he wants to succeed. His family wishes to succeed. And the only way he can do it is if the economy is is booming. When you look at the border, it's a it's a a loser. When you look at, uh, for example, the critical race, you know, critical race theory, when you look at the identity politics that exists there, this is all the things that Trump could attack, but does not attack effectively, Mm. has never really attacked. For example, the critical race being caught when he's called a racist. As we have said, he should throw it right back in their face. Mm-hmm. Excuse me? The Democratic Party has been pr- promoting identity politics from the very beginning mm-hmm. where they judge people by groups. Let's look at who they first attacked. Do what we have said. Look at who they first attacked. They went after conservative blacks, and they're the ones, and you bring up all the quotes. Look at this bigotry. Look at this racism against blacks. They expect that all blacks must think alike. Trump should do a speech on racism for this. Right. And it goes, yeah. this is just this is just ridiculous. We believe that everybody is autonomous. We don't pay attention to skin color. We don't pay attention to physical characteristics. We pay attention to the content of your character. That's what we pay attention to, just like Martin Luther King. Throw it back in their faces. For some reason, Republicans are politically impotent to do something like that. And I would throw that across the board. DeSantis hasn't done that. Maybe the closest might be Ramaswamy. In mm. some of the rhetoric that he has thrown out mm-hmm. when it gets to uh, that. And, of course, Nikki Haley hasn't because she's trying to be politically correct across the board. That baffles the daylight sodomy. If you go after and you attack the issues, Trump should win easily. Yeah. Yeah. With all of his flaws, he should still win easily. But he has the potential to sabotage his own campaign. Mm-hmm. And that's the worry that people have out there. Uh, and he also has the ability not to sabotage his campaign. Well, it's, you know, you can't go off of one speech, the victory speech in Iowa. But imagine that were to remain the tone, and and that was pretty much it. You know, that was going to be it. Hey, we're going to bring the economy back, and then he just spoke. Because, look, the economy and the border, and that's it. You're There are other issues, no doubt. Well, I think but the economy and the border, you focus on those two over and over and over. Those are your big two. Then, man, you've got a winning game. But I, I also think you bring in, for example, how weak he is on foreign policy, because that is also something that people are thinking. 
because you see it all over the place. And I go, okay, is it a, if you get into the minutia of Ukraine, if you get into the minutia of Afghanistan, if you get into the minutia of, you know, the American public trying to figure out who the hell are all these different, you know, uh, 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 Islamic radical groups around, you know, the world. I mean, I'm trying to, you know, they're trying to figure out, okay, Hezbollah, Hamas, the Houthis, you know, what is what is all of this? And most people probably couldn't sit down and tell you. But what they do know is that, and the Trump campaign has, I believe, effectively talked about this, war, 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 war. That's all these people are into. Donald Trump, you didn't have any wars. That is a very, very uh, inviting position to have, you know, right now. One thing about Trump, because we were always wondering, is he too isolationist? Is he, is he too isolationist? Well, you never really found out in the four years. What you did find out, though, which was extremely important, is when he killed Soleimani. Because he took a different tact. He's not doing what Biden's doing now, which is we're at war. It's a small war, but we're at war. They're shooting, you know, they shot at our container ship. The other day, we've got, uh, you know, uh, two uh, uh, Navy SEALs. Missing right now. The attacks keep going on back and forth. Mm-hmm. What did Trump do? He killed one of the Iranian leaders and said, I'll kill your leaders. And and when he came in in, in uh, spring of 2017 and and taking out a massive, massive group of ISIS in eastern Afghanistan with the, yeah. with the uh, bunker buster bombs, that was something that was huge. Again, you could you can promote that and say, look, we're going to do this. We're going to go after the enemy with precision. We're not. We're not going, you know, I'm not a war president, but we will take out the enemy. Actually, he didn't go. Precision, I I know what you're saying, Mm -hmm. but precision normally means you're doing what Biden's doing, where you're going after the, you know, sort of military topics, and we're hitting them with precision. Mm -hmm. His precision was he took out one of the major Iranian terrorist leaders. Yeah, that would be my definition of it. That's the difference. That was precision, precision targeting of the leader's. And promoting that and saying, well, we're not because remember, the ships are being attacked in the Red Sea and people are like, why isn't Trump attacking? Remember, it was the, you know, the planes were in the air and he called them back and it was like, will he come off as looking as weak? And then when he took out Soleimani, all hell broke loose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and you they, said and they totally you, scrambled their uh, their 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 um, their communications infrastructure. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yep. Yep. You know, they did before that Soleimani. Yep. So. Right. And so, and so you, you sit there and you say, okay, and the American people would like that. So you take, you take the economy, you take the border, you, where you take inflation, you take uh, the, the, boor, you know, the, the, the border, you take the insanity. Because I do think the Republican Party needs to hit the racism of the Democrats, and they don't do it. Yeah. And it's an easy sell, because obviously everybody knows Every Democrat knows it's their party that practices judging people by groups and not individuals. Could mm-hmm. you imagine Trump giving a speech? It's time that we stop that. The attacks on conservative blacks, that's where it started. Go and talk about the identity politics. We treat people as individuals. We don't treat them as members of a group. We know that you're autonomous. You have a brain and you can think on your own. Your thought process uh, is not determined by a physical characteristic. Extremely strong message. I've never heard a Republican, major Republican, sell that. Right. Or attempt to sell that. Mm. Why not? Right. 866-90-RED-EYE. Brought to you by FPPF, Fuel Power Max. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. 
Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. Costs are not the same each month. If 9,600 miles are driven one month and 10,000 miles the next, two different sets of costs apply for each month. For example, if your tractor payment is $1,850 per month and you drive 9,600 miles in the month, your tractor payment is costing you 19.3 cents per mile. Drive 10,000 miles, though, and that same payment will cost you 18.5 cents per mile. This is one of your major fixed costs while paying off a truck loan. The difference in this example is only a fraction of a cent, which may seem like small change, but it ultimately amounts to $960 more annually on the bottom line. Because though fixed costs do not go down over time, you can reduce your cost per mile with more paid miles. Brought to you by Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carly. I'm Gary McNamara. So uh, my point is it will be an interesting 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Should be a fun year. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I do wonder, though. All right. We, we're both on the same page in, in terms of debates. Then what's left? Well, the rallies. Well, the Trump rallies really only make news at Fox News. MSNBC is not going to carry them. <laughs> the media's not going to come. Well, TV commercials are going to be huge. Yeah, but year. it's and, and, which is an internet commercial, which is where you you know I'm of course uh, make the least mistakes. <laughs> I'm not saying zero mistakes, but you know you you put a campaign ad together. That's one thing. Saying something live at a rally, you could say something that gets you into trouble. And I think it's going to be, and keep in mind what I'm saying here, relatively quiet compared to what it was in 2016 or 2020. Because of those two facts, you're not going to see the type of sound bites in the media unless Trump steps off of something. You know, if he, boom, goes full into something at a rally... They, we, they won't carry it live, but MSNBC may go back and play, you know, whatever he said that they say is threatening or whatever the case may be. But I think it may be quieter than we expect. Red Eye. Now's your chance to be the caller. Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Uh, you know, so this uh, uh, this was written uh, uh, on Real Clear Pennsylvania from uh, Greg uh, Sirarachi, senior fellow with the Commonwealth Foundation. And he wrote a um, article yesterday, have suburban 
Pennsylvania voters finally had enough. Just giving us an idea of you know where we may be going in 2024. And brings up the point that in 2022, uh, well, brings up the point that for 20 years that suburban voters have been punishing the GOP. They don't like the brand. Mm-hmm. And and um, uh, so he's asking the question, have they, you know, have they had enough? And he says in 2022, after years of COVID lockdowns and urban riots, along with recent double digit inflation and an unsecured U.S. southern border, Republicans had convinced themselves that suburban voters had, in fact, had enough, enough of the Democrats, that is. However, the instinct proved wrong in the midterm elections as Democrats avoided the widely predicted red wave. Look at Chester County as a case study in these realities. Uh, Chesco is Pennsylvania's wealthiest county, home to the most college graduates and the most advanced degree graduates. Its residents enjoy a 20 to 40 mile buffer from Philadelphia and its many troubles, and their children attend some of the best private and public schools anywhere. Though Chesco residents told poster pollsters that they cared about issues like crime, inflation, and the border, their concern did not translate into votes for Republicans. They elected and re-elected Democrats from the top to bottom in 2022, and they did it again in 2023, even expanding their gains. Apparently, while they cared about inflation, crime, and the border, they didn't truly care enough to vote Republican. Most suburban voters still don't like the GOP brand and what they associate with it. The reality is that because many suburban voters, like those in Chester County, are insulated from the societal problems that they claim to care about, they instead seem to cast their votes based on subjective values such as tone, temperament, justice, tolerance, and fairness. For the last decade, a majority of these voters have cast their ballots for Democrats. Maybe now, however, there is an opening on this front for the GOP. Voters have recently witnessed how Penn's president and board mishandled anti-Semitism and misunderstood the concept of free speech, how elite universities use double standards of officials and students, how DEI initiatives waste tuition dollars and donations while often making campuses less inclusive. And now they've seen the cancel culture warriors come for Pennsylvania's founder. You saw that story Mm -hmm. last week. Mm -hmm. Known for religious tolerance. Maybe in this climate with the natural cultural issues happening in their own backyard, focusing on tone, fairness, and tolerance, this environment will play to the Republicans' advantage, not Democrats, Republicans may be able to go on the offense in the suburbs. In my writing and in my radio appearances and podcasts and social media, I've urged my party to reach out to the suburban voters whom they've struggled to win in recent years. In the near term, the GOP should focus most of its efforts on reaching voters who already share their values in both registration uh, and uh, other efforts. This includes Hispanic, Chinese, and Indian American voters, many of them first- and second-generation Americans. In addition, we must make an all-out effort to master mail-in voting, building on what has been GOP's successes, even dominance in absentee voting. Uh, But the recent events of the last few months offer the GOP a unique opportunity to go on offense with voters who have been moving away from the Democratic, excuse me, from the party to win back some, even for this cycle. 
in Pennsylvania, where most statewide elections are decided by three points or less, where Trump won in 2016 by 0.7% and lost in 2020 by 1.7%, where two incumbent GOP statewide officials running for re-election won by 0.8% and 3% in 2020, and where Democrats hold a razor-thin one-seat majority in the state house, any movement away from Democrats and towards the GOP in the suburbs could make the difference. This year will tell us whether Democrats have finally pushed their cultural agenda too far. Has the Democratic politicians' embrace of a woke culture gone too far? To find out, Pennsylvania Republicans need to talk to their suburban neighbors about fairness, inclusion, and tolerance, the issues that matter to them. They can start by asking, had enough? And that's interesting because it's something that it's sort of what we talked about with the whole identity politics thing. Why yeah. Republicans just in general should attack and go, you're calling me a racist? Excuse me? Look, and Ramaswamy had some of these, you know, debates back and forth with members of the media. And it's like, it's an easy one to win. Yeah. Right. And so what you want in any political race are arguments that win. Yeah. Part of the frustration right. that we have here and some of the anger that we throw towards the Republicans is based on the fact that uh, uh, you, you got everything. It's right there. It's right there. Go take it. And it's just like, we don't even know that it's there. Let's get angry. Right. Let's get angry. We'll all get angry together. By the way, that's something that, you know, that, that uh, I, I want to mention because I believe that I'm starting to think that Republicans have their own virtue signaling. And it's not to win, it's to show our your anger. And showing your anger is your virtue signaling. If you're angry and if you're angry and if you're angry and you don't care, if you're just angry and the, that, that's the whole mean tweet thing. Yeah. You know, you lost on the, the, the mean, well then don't do the mean tweets. Who were the mean tweets trying to, who were the mean tweets, uh, excuse me, tweets, uh, who, who liked them? Republicans. You already have them. Mm-hmm. You know, and then afterwards, it was the Trump supporters that came out and said the mean tweets. See, you, you lost because of the mean tweets. Uh, and well, see what you got. And it's like, well, just don't do the mean tweets. And and, and I'll combine this with, you know, um, uh, the, the considerations of, of Charles Cook that we talked about earlier. And that is, you know, OK, you get angry if you're, uh, you know, we, we, we talk about uh, what happened in the House. You get angry, you know. Throw them all out, or at least, you know, throw the right. top guy out, right. you know, drain the swamp, and then what? Well, the what is here. And here we are now with a spend, a spending bill that is not going to satisfy the conservative faction of the of the House and the GOP. It's not going to happen. What are you going what, to, what are you going to change? Well, you don't change anything. Until you change hearts and minds with the rank and file, with the voter. That's how you change the makeup. One guy, you know, Kevin McCarthy or not Kevin McCarthy. I don't know. It's, you You build this big unicorn, aha, we got it done. What did you get done and those are the things you look at it's it's 
And and that's really what's frustrating to me. Is that you should be able to, as a party, you should be able to say, listen, we're not going to get everything. But these are the things that we believe move us forward. The anger gets you to the point of, all right, then fine, then... And the extreme move. Well, the extreme move works for one person. You boost your social media presence or your media presence overall for a few days, and that's it. What are you actually doing? What are you getting done? And, you know, this is a, it's a growing frustration because I think you're right. I think we're seeing it very clearly. Uh, over the past few years where it's, yeah, well, no, I'm going to ring the bell louder. No, I have the conch. Well, you get angry. It's my, tur- it's my turn to be angry. You, you you get angry with the converted. Yeah, right. It exactly. Doesn't, it doesn't get you anywhere. Right. If I get angry, I'll be able to keep, well, you're going to keep the people that support you no matter what. Right. you got to change hearts and, and, and minds it, here. You have to change hearts and minds of, of, of people. And I think the Republican Party and, and, uh, a lot of Trump supporters virtue signal in their own way, expressing their anger towards each other instead of worried about what gets you the win in politics because you've got it on every single major issue out there. You can make a solid argument if Trump is a nominee why people should vote for Trump. Did Milton Friedman ever yell? have to get? Uh, yeah, well, that's a good question. Did he ever have to get, I mean, his debate would just, it was so sharp. His his points on pointing to reality of how things work, especially economics, you couldn't debate with him. And the reason you could, and the very liberal Phil Donahue couldn't counter him. When I look at... And again, not not that this person has everything that I want in a politician, but when you look at tone, when you look at, for example, Governor Abbott of Texas, mm-hmm. isn't out there all the time, but when he's out there, is effective. Yeah, and his tone is consistent. And his tone is consistent, and you know he keeps he keeps getting reelected, and yeah. Texas yeah. is viewed. Texas and Florida are viewed, and if you look at Texas for the population and the. You know the the where the where the economy is going. I mean, yeah, you see huge. the GDP in Texas for the that came out for the third quarter of last year that we brought up. Mm-hmm. That all that's how you get credit. Yep, that's how you get credit. And right. when he decides to take on an issue, as he is with the federal government, you know there was a few things in the liberal media. And then it dropped. You don't have this constant barrage going after Governor Abbott for challenging the federal government because everybody knows he's doing. He's doing politically the absolute right thing to do. Right. And everybody knows it. Right. And when we played, when he talked about it last week, his tone is always consistent, always consistent. And when you are viewed, when I was, when I was an eighth grade basketball coach and there were coaches screaming and yelling and screaming and yelling, I never screamed and yelled at the kids. Mm-hmm. I was stern. And I was a you know disciplinarian, but I did it in a very very soft way because I always thought that if you as a coach are losing it, then your players can view that as a justification for losing it themselves. 
Right. And I just always thought that was the wrong way, you know, to go as a as as a coach. And I think the same way for politics. You can win. You know, think about it. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know how future generations will look, for example, at a Ronald Reagan. But still, Ronald Reagan is viewed as, you know, one of the best presidents, especially yeah. by yeah. Republicans. Right. And uh, his tone was what? Was a nice, very consistent. A nice guy. Yeah. For the most part, yeah, the way that the way that he did it, and and, and, and you so, can't, and, and the thing was, is you couldn't debate mm-hmm. him on on things, especially when it came to the economy. Uh, you know, government is not the answer. These points that he's that he had made for years, mm-hmm. even before he became president, and and those are the you know that's the approach. Look, we're 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 at this place right now in history, and there are some unprecedented um, elements here. And that's always the case to a certain extent with any presidential election cycle. But you basically got two incumbents. Compare the first three years of Trump and the first three years of Biden. Just put it there. Well, that's the, that is the unusual thing. That you, that's another variable that's completely different than any exactly. other election. Exactly. And so Biden, when you looked at it, it was like, well, this mean Trump, we're going to bring everything. And he brought the, the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. And you know how we know it? That the polls may show the people who vote for Biden, but they don't want to. Right. Yeah. And right. so what? because they don't agree with where Biden's going on the issues. So what's the goal of the Trump campaign? Stick to the five or six issues tell you how Biden didn't do it and how you will attack them for their intolerance, their bigotry, their racism, turn it, turn it on its head. There's never been a better opportunity to go after the Democrats for what they've truly always been from the history of our nation. They've been the racist party. Mm -hmm. Go after it. Right. And they still continue to be the racist party with their identity politics. They know it. Democrats know it. Yeah. And it's a great opportunity if you talk about tone and inclusion and everything and unity and everything else. The conservative message is the message that you, I believe, in the history of uh, of me covering politics over the last roughly 40 years, this is the best opportunity you have to turn it on its head on all, every single major issue, including race, yep. where the Democrats have held the lead where they've been viewed as less racist than Republicans. You can blow that out of the water, 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls, 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio, a border showdown, coming up. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. 
Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. Welcome and good morning. Thank you for being here. How's everybody doing? Welcome to the middle of January. It's crazy. By the way, I've been seeing this story for a week. Hmm. Every single day I see another headline. Biden administration expected to redesignate Houthis as a global terrorist entity. I've been seeing this every day for a week. Yeah, right. No, we're now we're really thinking the the administration has a framework for considering it. <laughs> Idiots. I like that. We have a we have a framework. Yeah. We have it on our calendar to start considering it one week from today. Seriously. How hard is it? You just can't you just can't do anything that Trump did. <laughs> I was about to say I'm shocked he even shows up at the White House, but let's face it. Because Trump was there. Because Trump was there. <laughs> but let's face it. He's not there. There's he's gone a lot. Joe Biden. Here it is. Uh, President Biden said on the weekend, this is a Wall Street Journal editorial yesterday. President Biden said, uh, on, said on the weekend that he had sent a private message to Iran to stop aiding the Houthi attacks on shipping in the Middle East. Apparently it was lost in translation. <laughs> Iran's proxy militia keeps firing missiles at U.S. ships and two Navy SEALs are now missing at sea after a mission to seize Iranian-made missile parts bound for the Houthis. Uh, Mr. Biden's spokesperson are at pains to say the U.S. doesn't want war uh, with the Houthis or Iran, but it sure looks like they're at war with the U.S. On Monday, the Houthis fired an anti-ship missile at a U.S. flag container ship, and on Tuesday they launched a missile that hit a Maltese flag ship. The Maltese ship was able to keep sailing, but the episode shows that neither the Houthis nor Iran have been deterred by last week's U.S. salvos against arms uh, supplies and missile launchers. Perhaps that's because the U.S. warned the Houthis in advance of the strikes so the militants could evacuate. Hmm. That might seem like a humanitarian gesture, but in the Middle East, it tends to get interpreted as weakness. The Houthis may think Mr. Biden authorized retaliatory strikes because he wanted to show a U.S. audience he's getting tough, but that the president fears escalation. So, of course, they escalate. And then the U.S. hit four more targets on Tuesday. And and as does Iran, the missing SEALs were part of an operation to interdict Iranian weapons on their way uh, to the Houthis in Yemen. One SEAL fell into the water, tried to board uh, uh, a ship with uh, suspected weapons, and a comrade went in after him. They may be dead, two more American casualties of Iran's hostility to U.S. interests and its apparent disdain for Mr. Biden's warnings. The SEALs join Army pilot Garrett Illerbrun, who, have been in a, who has been in a coma since being badly injured in an attack by a different Iranian proxy militia in Iraq. On Christmas Day, Americans who signed up for military duty know the risk, but Mr. Biden hasn't made any public statement to our knowledge about him or the Navy SEALs. Iran and the Houthis are putting American lives at risk, even as leaders in Tehran hide 
their intent behind their proxy militias. They probably assume Mr. Biden will never dare to attack Iran's military or domestic assets in a U.S. election year. These are the consequences of failed deterrence with American servicemen paying the price. Iran knows this, and Iran has the upper hand in this equation, and they know not only uh, do they know, they're very well aware, of course, that it's an election year, but beyond that, they know who this president is. And, you know, you and I talked about uh, the situation that, that you know, led us to the knowledge of Lloyd Austin and and all of that craziness, insanity. But where was, we, we were asking, we came back from the Christmas break, and you were asking, who's, Who's making the calls? Who's who's calling the shots here? The attack on the Iran proxies. And then a couple of days later, and at that time, we didn't know Austin was hospitalized. No, we learned yeah, that, uh, yeah. you know, a few days after that, that one Thursday, I think it was January 4th, that uh, we took out uh, the one militia leader in Iraq. All right. Again, who's making the calls? Where is the commander-in-chief on these things? Now, we have an Army soldier in a coma. We have two missing Navy SEALs. Where's the commander-in-chief saying anything? Commenting on anything? You know, because you and I were going back and forth in the hallways off the air you know, that first morning back from Christmas vacation, the attack on uh, the, the Iran proxies and everything else. Where is the, you know, just step up to the podium, not taking questions, just want to, you know, um, tell the American people what's going on, what we accomplished today, what, what happened today. And then, and then you move on. Where is that? It doesn't exist because he's not capable. Something is going on with this president, and he does not have the physical or mental ability to be commander-in-chief. I saw yesterday he only had one event this week. Right. One public event. Right. I mean, it is so controlled. And there is, you know, yeah, we're halfway through January, but it's a long ways in terms of the energy that has to be created between now and November 5th for his campaign I mean, there's really not much energy there. Just the diehard left that are going to be there no matter who it is. But he can't campaign. He doesn't have the energy to campaign. He doesn't have the energy to stand at a podium and make a brief statement. Not only does he not have the energy, he also, and they know this, and we've seen it, Time and time again, it's been fully demonstrated. Him walking out and going off script. You can't risk that, especially when you're talking about these very serious things. You can't risk that when when you're in the role of commander in chief at the podium telling the American people what's going on. You can't risk that at all. You can't have him wandering off mentally and then turning his back like he's done 
repeatedly. You can't risk that, and that's why we don't see him at the podium making even brief statements. Yeah, I really can't take any questions. There's no way. Neither can John Kerry. He was at the World Economic Forum. man. And you know, what, yeah. what do you say to the peasants who are paying for all this? Did you see? <laughs> I just, Remember what he said, though, when he right after he became climate change czar. Well, I can't be expected to fly commercially with a bunch of ketchup eaters. I added the ketchup eaters part. And yeah, I part of the joke is the whole Heinz thing. That's. Who the guy is? Well, I'm not. I'm not going to be. You can't. But man, if you talk about the implosion of their climate change agenda, just on EVs alone, ah, uh, have you noticed the number of articles since this winter storm has hit? Oh, oh. I mean, there's a, yeah. a ton of different articles. Yeah, and local media is covering it right. about how electric vehicles aren't performing well in the cold. Right. And what a disaster. You know, but it, and, and that's the thing that this agenda, they brought it all the way up to the surface, right? To reality. Here we are. And then it's like, oh, I can't start my car. Well, why? I can't even charge my car. Why? It's too cold. You and I have pointed out in conservatives have pointed out the flaws in this whole agenda for a long, long time. You know, um, we would get the we would get the ERCOT warning the uh, in Texas uh, with, hey, conserve on energy because there's clouds in West Texas. The solar farms aren't going to oh, produce yeah. as much. There's no wind in West Texas, and ERCOT you know, is ERCOT is the Texas grid. Energy Reliance right. Right. Council right. of Texas. And it's and, and they were still out yesterday. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Don't, you know, careful, careful, careful. It should never be the case. Never should be the case. For an energy right. producer <laughs> for the state like of Texas. I know. It's mind-boggling. Never. We should be able to, and it's just my the way my brain works, by now, we should have the ability to warm up the outside temperatures. <laughs> Texas is so great at producing energy. Well, John Kerry says we are. Yeah, right. Yeah, which is it? Warming John? the outside temperatures. Exactly. <laughs> we should be able to, we should have enough energy to make it 78 degrees outside. These are the things that, you know, that, that, that when you look at this agenda, you know, on the left, it's, failing over and over again. Uh, the libs of uh, TikTok had a post yesterday about Maine where they've introduced a bill, uh, kind of like the, the approach in California, that if a parent gets in the way of their child's transition surgery or therapy, if this bill were to pass and become law, the state could take temporary custody of the child. You can go straight to hell. And that bill, by the way, I think it's this morning, they'll have a committee vote to see where it goes. You're not going to win this 
against parents. Liberals, you're just not, ever. And maybe, well, they will in some states. Maybe too many parents in... have been too quiet for too long. Yeah. But they're not going to win the long game on this. There's yeah. no way. Well, you've got some parents out there that want the state to take care of their children completely. Yeah, that's what I mean, is that too many parents have been too silent for, for too long. But once you talk about genital, genital mutilation surgery, you've got everybody's attention. And we're seeing that turn. We're seeing that response by parents. But you saw it with, you know, everything that they wanted to, to I mean, indoctrination just ramped up to full-on indoctrination boot camp starting at the age of five over the last few years. Mm-hmm. You were never going to win that with parents in Florida. I'm confident, I'm confident that... That's a big reason, big part of the reason why Florida went completely red. And it may not hold long-term for Florida to be completely red, but you still don't see it. It's Well, and, and it goes back to Nikki Haley. You're missing the point on the whole Disney thing. Disney wasn't taking on another Republican Nikki Haley Disney was taking on the parents of Florida, mm-hmm. who many of whom spend their money in those theme parks. And you're not going to win that. You're not going to get a dime out of me with that kind of approach. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Radio, he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, you and I have said this over and over again. We talk about uh, things that will end the insanity that we see now coming from the left. One of it will be the uh, trial lawyers. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at, uh, for example, uh, DEI, and we yeah. haven't talked about this much, but the number of stories out there and the number of people promoting the fact that whether it's for air traffic controllers whether it's for pilots, whatever, that DEI is now involved in that and we're not getting the best pilots or we're not getting the best air traffic controllers. If that's true and there's an accident because of it, that's where DEI will all go to hell. If you're Mm -hmm. talking about DEI when it comes, because you and I have talked about this many times, government doesn't, you know, not the government doesn't work in cases. We see that garbage is picked up local communities. You know, we see what happens. That government can accomplish some things. Government can win wars. You know, they can do. But government has gotten involved in way too much. And they they don't succeed. They're, they're not good at actually succeeding in a lot of things, especially when they want to get inside of people's personal lives and when they want to regulate the the uh, the the private uh, sector but when you've gotten to the point where and we've talked about for example there are people in the private sector that things have to work there is no choice 
You have to build airplanes where a panel doesn't pop open. Yeah. You have to build airplanes that don't crash. You have to build buildings that don't fall down. You have to build bridges that that stay up and have a particular, you know, lifespan to them. Roads, bridges, all these things have to work. Your cell phone has to work. And I just noticed that it seems like in the last couple of weeks, you know, you've seen lawsuits being filed and the the accusation, which means it's out on the pop, which means it's out on the culture now. Things aren't safe because we're not putting the best people in there. You don't have to put the best people in government and people will put up with it for a significant period of time. In the products that we buy, it's a completely different ballgame. It's really interesting that the public has no expectation of excellence in government, but an absolute expectation in the private sector that they must produce exactly what they say they're going to produce. Everything needs to have a great warranty to it. They need to produce products that work. Government, we don't give a damn. Do whatever you want to do. Well, that's going to be the downfall of DEI right there. DEI, you can have it in government all you want. Yeah. Because it's political to begin with. You know, you're getting hired because, hey, you're getting hired because you, you, you you supported the guy who won in the executive branch. But when it comes to the private sector, DEI is not going to work. The downfall is going to be, and interestingly enough, the trial lawyers that want to sue for anything. And if you don't have the best, if they're coming after you, in the fact, well, the we're not hiring the best pilots. Mm-hmm. This person got in because of this. Mm-hmm. We're not hiring the best air traffic controllers. Mm-hmm. There was a problem that happened here. That's what's going to change everything. Yeah, right. Yeah, there, and it will be a long list of lawsuits, I believe, uh, over the years. And look, I think that's uh, the liberal transgender movement is another one. There are going to be plenty of lawsuits. There already are lawsuits, but as those lawsuits rise to the top of the media cycle, that's what's going to really undo. A ton of the agenda, I think, across the board. Because there is a price to pay. If we're going to, if we're not going to find, you know, when it comes to DEI, if we're not going to find the best qualified individuals, expect there to be massive, massive holes. The government is, has never been what you could call efficient. But in the private sector, you start putting that in, into play and things start getting dangerous. People start getting hurt. That's where those lawsuits change everything. Yep. I think you're right. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. 
Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. New York City Democratic Mayor Eric Adams is considering the idea of setting a curfew for illegal immigrants in state-run housing after rising crime and worrisome safety issues exploded around migrant shelters, setting legal residents on edge. This is from Breitbart. Adam's popularity has taken a steep nosedive recently, and he has been rapidly throwing ideas against the political wall, hoping it will bring voters back to his side after taking so much heat for his policies coddling migrants. <laughs> that would be a quite xenophobic thing to do, would it not? I don't know how you get around the uh, liberal protesters on that one. And because it all comes down to the enforcement. How are you going to enforce that? Well, you're going to have to put the police there. Well, here it is. Uh, If this latest trial balloon becomes citywide policy, the migrants and state shelters would be required to be in their rooms by 11 p.m. each evening. Okay. According to the New York Post, they will also be required mm. to stay in their rooms until 6 a.m., uh-huh. uh, except for emergency situations. Right. Shelter, shelter participation, or shelter participants, excuse me, who violate the rule three times in a month could face expulsion three times in a month. Although ex, uh, <laughs> exceptions can be made for those with work or actual school obligations or who have appointments during those hours. You know, he sounds like he sounds like Biden with Iran. (laughs) Well, we're going to say we're doing something, but not really effectively doing anything, because all you have to do is say you're going to work. By the way, who has an appointment between 11 p.m. and and uh, and 6 a.m. aside from all night talk show hosts? Sorry, I got to go see the doctor at 2 a.m. Um, <laughs> and if all you got to do to say, all, all you got to say to get out of it is, I'm going to work. What about looking for work? I'm going to fill out applications because I was working my other job all day. So then what would be the, you know, ultimate showing would be, you know, a consistent enforcement of this. Um, of this policy. Which means the media is going to be camped out waiting for those cops to be, I don't know what, issuing first, second citations and then moving them out, evicting them if they hit that third strike. There's no, there's, you're not going to do it. Wow. You're just not going to do it. Meanwhile, Biden's down to a record low 18% approval of how he's handling the border. Mm -hmm. And you had, for example, on Fox News yesterday, a Biden campaign spokesperson, Quentin Folks, who was on with Brett Baer. And this was part of their discussion 
that they had. However, independents and Democrats now list immigration high on the on their list as well of issues that are important to them. They do call it a crisis. The president does not. Either does the Department of Homeland Security secretary. And if you look at the Trump administration time handling the border versus what the Biden administration is doing with the border and the policies that they've changed, it seems like a weakness for the campaign. Well, first of all, Brett, what I would say about uh, immigration is that we have to look back. Donald Trump had four years uh, to do something on the border, um, and he did nothing. Um, and then right now what we have, uh, in fact, Donald Trump put uh, immigrants in cages. He separated families, worked at the president. Joe Biden has gotten to work okay. still putting those families back together. But when it comes to Hold on. immigration... Wait a second. You're not saying that the, the situation in immigration and the border is better under the Biden administration than it is under the Trump administration? Is that what you're saying? What I'm saying to you is that President Biden took office, uh, sent a comprehensive immigration reform package to Congress. They have refused to pass it or do anything on it. They are grandstanding Quentin, and playing Quentin, political he games. He switched remain in issue. Mexico. Remain in Mexico policy, he flipped. Uh, release, catch and release, he flipped. Uh, he changed Donald, the border Donald Trump situation. Rounded up, Donald Trump rounded up immigrants, separated families, and put them in cages. That's not how we treat human There are beings. more kids President Biden, in President custody Biden. under the Biden administration than there were under the Trump administration. Do you President know that? Biden. And so, listen, you have to concede that immigration is a vulnerability for the Biden campaign. Can't you concede look, that? What, look, what we concede is that President Biden is working on this issue. <laughs> uh -huh. You can't win. Well, I would stop, and he, for some reason, Brett Bear can't do it. Excuse me. Answer the question. Why right. can't he do that? Yeah. Right. You're not answering the question. Right. Quit. Quit. Right. Uh, you know, uh, quit delaying. Quit. It's a, it's a very simple question. <clears throat> Answer it. And, but... There's no way to win this right. on and, the border, and, by the and way. And I would have also attacked and said, when you say comprehensive immigration reform, what you're talking about is more money to assimilate people through the open border that we currently have. Mm. So stop that. You are not talking about securing the border. Because if you wanted to secure the border, you could get every Republican that would agree with you to control the border. You don't wish to do it. Right. I mean, at least he fought back some, but I mean, there's still... There's so many holes where Brett Baer could have just pounded him on that. Well, and, you know, if Biden decided he wanted to do that, I'm sure he could get enough Democrats on board also in the Senate and the House. They could get it done, but they don't oh, want yeah. to do that. No, they, they don't, don't want to do, do that. They want the Border Patrol to keep processing, in fact, spend more money so they can process more people through. Not keep more people from coming in. And that's been very clear. That is the debate. And they're not winning it. I mean, it, as you can see, no. I mean, it's a 18 percent approve of what the and, and those that approve mean they want an open border. That's yeah. roughly about the number of far left people you have in this country through most of polls anywhere between 18 and 25 percent. And so that would be the number of people that want an open border. And so they agree with the, what the president is is doing on the border. But, yeah, it's just, um, you know, you, you look at that, for example, and every day they're going to be out there selling this. And they can, on any issue on the border, on energy, on climate change, they can't make an argument. 
No. No. They can't make no. an argument on any on defund the police. They can't make an argument on they can't make a critical thinking argument on anything and the public knows it and the polling shows it. Yeah. But it's yeah. just it is amazing to watch it because you're getting to the point now of everything, not just lies, but getting to the point. Uh, and if the if the the media gets tough with any of these leftist politicians, you know they will they will they will crumble. But it's getting to the point of absolute gaslighting. Well, it it and what's the point of of going on with Brett Baer? Why would you do that? Well, you would only do that if you thought you could win. You could if win, you right? Thought you could convince people. And and that's a massive lack of self awareness. You don't see the big picture here. It's not required you go on Fox News or anywhere. I mean, you could go on MSNBC. They're going to throw you softballs all day if you want that. But you go on Brett Bear because they thought they could convince people. He thought he was going to win the debate. What? universal you win there's no way to win that mayor adams is scrambling mayor johnson in chicago same thing because their numbers are plummeting their approval numbers as mayors they're not going to win it i'm i'm really curious to see what it looks like in uh this summer at the dnc in chicago I I know they're going to go in and clean up the streets. I mean, they even cleaned the feces off of the streets in San Francisco. For China, what do you think they'll do for their own party? Well, they'll go into Chicago and any mess that can be seen by the media, I'm sure they're going to sweep it under whatever rug they have. Well, you can't hide it from the American people. It doesn't matter what, you know, the imagery is one thing, but you can't. And, and and I think this is what it's coming down to there. You know, it's always it's been said for a long time. The cover up is worse than the crime. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, in this case, the cover up is becoming as bad as the crime because these are, you know, the the the, the bo- broken border, the, the economy and everything else being the said crime here. But how they approach it and try and defend it is just becoming an insult to people. When you tell people, oh, they don't, they're, you know, the American people don't know how good the economy is. They can't see it. While families are going up and down the grocery aisles going, when are we going to get some relief? What's When are prices going to come down? When am I going to be able to afford to feed my family, and house my family, and transport my family in the same month. I was reading another article yesterday. I think it was Business Insider. American families can't afford new cars. They can't afford their cars. While you've seen a slight decrease in the price of a used car, the average new car is above $50,000. Then you tack on 
whatever the going interest rate is for the 900-month loan you're going to get on that. And that's where people are. That's the reality, and they're trying to politically shape it into something that it's not. Well, as you see on the the, uh, the border, and we haven't talked about this yet, but uh, Karine Jean-Pierre said it again yesterday that, you know, the, the whole thing with uh, the state of Texas, uh, you know, blocking the border patrol. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you saw it last Friday where the White House claimed that on Friday, uh, Friday night a woman and two children drowned near Eagle Pass yeah. and Texas officials blocked U.S. Border Patrol from attempting to provide emergency assistance. That was the White House claim. Mm-hmm. Green Jean-Pierre repeated that again yesterday. We've known for a couple of days now that's a lie. Mm-hmm. And Bill Malusian from Fox writes about it. He goes, the Biden administration once again pushed a false narrative at the border, now refuted by their own Department of Justice. The White House claim on Friday night, a woman and two children drowned near Eagle Pass and Texas officials blocked U.S. Border Patrol from attempting to provide emergency assistance from the Department of Justice filing. These migrants had already drowned at 8 p.m. The Border Patrol didn't inform Texas until an hour later at 9 p.m. This, like the horseback or the horseback patrol whipping claims, took off as a false narrative, generating headlines that claim Texas blocked a federal rescue effort leading to the drowning of three immigrants. The Department of Justice now confirms those migrants had been deceased for an hour before Texas was even alerted about it. And remember, this isn't just your average Congress, radical congressperson. This is the White House repeating the lie as recently as yesterday from the podium. Right. And I'm sure they'll keep it up through November 5th. Keep the lie alive. Why not? 86690-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Where'd you, where's that uh, story you said that? I thought I'd seen it at uh, Business Insider. Actually, it was at Newsweek. Amer- Americans can no longer afford their cars. We talked about this. This isn't new information. But from a news organization like Newsweek, um, it's a, you know, again, it's the reality of, of where people are economically, financially. And you look at the, um, and they point out, even though, and they didn't use the word rate, they said inflation slowed in 2023. No, the inflation rate. Rate. Uh, Car prices still went up. uh, New car prices still went up by more than 1%. Used car prices fell slightly, but it doesn't matter. Try and find the listing of a dependable car under 30,000. And... That's where you are. And then you add to it the cost of financing that car if you're going to buy it, you know, and you don't have cash. And that's where it becomes enormously expensive.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Well, it was actually two months ago today. Uh huh. Where I played my last golf round. Yeah. You retired. And I, and I didn't. No, I just uh, because I have a slightly teared uh, meniscus in my knee, which I don't even feel anymore now because I've been working out on it for two months. Um, I did pull out a golf club yesterday. And I did swing a golf club. But not at a golf ball. I was going to say, what did the mailman do? What? 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 what was I was going I was on? swinging swinging the club on the ice in my pool, <laughs> crushing it. I was crushing, literally crushing. I, it. I was slamming it down and and uh, and trying to break up the uh, the the ice uh, in my pool and and then checking in inside the skimmer to mm. see if that had frozen in there because I already have some. In inflatable small uh, sports kind of uh, uh, partially deflated balls in there, mm-hmm. and and uh, and I have that weighted down. So if there is ice, that will make it so it won't destroy it. But I survived all my skimming mechanism and all those pipes there survived Freezola. That was worse than what we have now. We got one more tonight, really, and then uh, we go above freezing here in the morning. Uh, but uh, I was I because I turned my I turn my my pool filter. I drain everything. My pool filter. I drain the the casing of the of the pump and the motor and everything else. And I did that uh, back um, last Thursday. Mm. And uh, then I let it uh, then I let it sit there, and it was warm. And then boom, Friday and Saturday is when it went uh, when the temperature got you know really cold. And uh, I don't run it anymore because I don't trust the grid. Because if if it's that cold and the and your power goes off, four thousand dollars, yeah, is what it will cost. Right, as what it cost me last time. So it's probably more now. So uh, yeah, just checking it out. But uh, yeah, I was using the golf club and smashing it. Yeah, right there. And I don't. It's a golf club I don't use anymore. I probably would should throw it out. It's probably about twenty years old. But it's a nice big, w- thick wedge. <laughs> yeah. That has yeah. mass to it, yeah, and uh, yeah, you could kill somebody with it. But I was, yeah. uh, I was destroying the well, ice. Thank in my goodness pool. it wasn't another person. That's that's uh, yeah. I mean, I well, I was able to show a little bit of rage, like I used to with my golf clubs. When yeah, it was when I would get angry at the course. But yeah, but yeah. So uh, it's going to warm up uh, here for another day and a half, and get back cold again on for two more days over the weekend. I think I saw nineteen degrees on Friday, mm-hmm. and then we're looks like we're in a warming trend. From that point on, so hopefully it'll be it's all over by this weekend. Yeah, um, it's I'm, just, uh, I'm I'm all good with a one week winter. Gotta yeah, lo- gotta love to. Hopefully, <clears throat> we don't get into February and and see a repeat of uh, no. That's what I'm twenty one. 
my dad said, well, what are you looking for now? And I said, well, the long-range forecast takes me to the end of January. And all of a sudden, that's cool. So really, I have another 17 days is how I view it. And if you get through the first 17 days of February and there isn't anything minor, at least for me living here for 23 years, mm. nothing major really happens after that. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I've only once, I think, in my life in North Texas seen snow in the first week of March. That goes way back, though. Way back. I'm ready and it was a, yeah. it was a pretty good snow. It was probably, probably five or six inches. Especially for March, it was pretty good snow. But I don't think I've ever seen... For the most part, once you get that past uh, Valentine's Day, you're done. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, and I got to get out to the. I do have to get out to the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo this year. Yeah, go see my buddy Buck Taylor. It's going to be all uh, wet and muddy next week, so that's a great time to go. Yeah, it is. I I love it. It's indoors. I I like it when there's weather and and you know during the stock show when there is inclement weather. I like that. I don't know why. Um, I have limited experience on ranches, but it just kind of, maybe it's the reminder that you don't get a day off in ranching. No. Well, I mean, I'll have to put, I mean, it's time to dress up in, in our costumes where we all put on our cowboy hats and cowboy boots, our cowboy belts, our cowboy jeans, our cowboy shirts, our cowboy jackets, and we go out there and we watch what real cow people do. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's... Uh, it is interesting, and I, I had my boots on recently, and they're getting a bit worn. I've got... I, 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 I hesitate in buying new ones because I don't like the the look of new mm. boots unless I were going out somewhere, you know, like to a, a nice dinner or something. I You know, that'd be one thing, but... I have three pair of cowboy boots that I, that I got for free years ago mm. when I was doing my local show. Yeah. And I still have them all, and... and um, uh, the only time I, I had only one pair I've ever worn, and that's the pair I wear to the stock show. Yeah. And the other two are sitting there brand new, and it's like, I don't like the feel of cowboy boots. They don't, they're not good with my, let's put it this way, they're not good with my feet, but mm. my, it's the arthritis, and especially my right ankle. Yeah. That it just doesn't, it doesn't give it the support. That I, I have like. two pair that are great. I prefer ropers with a lower heel. Yeah. I don't have a good pair of ropers right now, but I have two pair that feel really great. Um, and I've got, like you, we had a, Justin Boots was a sponsor for years, and we mm -hmm. gave away free boots for a long time, and um, they always gave us free boots, and I've got a whole closet full. But on the cowboy boots end, it's probably time to break out the the uh, the credit card and go get some some ropers. I, I do have a white hat and a black hat. Mm. I have both. Yeah. So I forgot what the rule is. It is you can't wear the. Can you wear the white one after Labor Day? <laughs> uh you can wear the white one. <laughs> Usually, that's typically more of a, an event, or if you're kind of sending the message. I mean, it depends, right? The lighter color colored. Um, you know, hats are great in the summer if you're actually out there working. Mm -hmm. And I've been in that position, again, limited experience, but you want that lighter color. You don't want that 
that black felt just absorbing all of that heat. But uh, yeah, or if you're a bad guy, definitely wear a black hat the whole time. Well, what I what I have for the summertime is my wide brim evaporation hat that has the sponge on the inside. Oh yeah, no, that, that's a must that you put that you put in. Those yeah. are those things are wonderful. Yeah, and you know where they're wonderful if you want to golf when it you want to get out there and golf and it's a hundred or do lawn work when it's a mm-hmm. hundred hundred and five degrees mm-hmm. because uh, if you're in the sun it's only going to last about thirty minutes. Right. But if you're in the shade, those things last an hour, hour and a half, and you just put them under the faucet again, you know, let it, you know, let it, let it go. The sponge absorbs it. You shake it out a little bit. You put it back. Your head's a little bit wet, mm-hmm. but you'd be amazed half hour later how cool your head is. Oh yeah, those things are yeah. wonderful. I yeah. love. Them. I have, I have a, I have a, uh, a wide brim hat with one of them. Then I have just a, you know, a regular uh, golf hat. Yeah, with them, yeah. and I just love it. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, so, uh, hopefully I'm, I think I'll have to pound the ice a little bit today, but maybe not much because it's supposed to go above 32, like nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. By the time I get up, it may be already like 40 and it melts quickly. You know, the beautiful part of not having any trees, like I have no trees in my backyard and it faces the Southwest is that yesterday when I went out to do it, I wasn't thinking. So I just had a short sleeve shirt on. I had, you know, long pants on, but just a short sleeve shirt. I was out there for like 10 minutes pounding the ice, and I went, it's 23 degrees out. There was no wind, and because the sun hits me from the southwest and it hits the brick of my house and the concrete deck, it's actually warm. I went out in a T-shirt and shorts yesterday. It was probably, I don't know, 9 or 10 a.m. Oh. And on my security cam, I got a notification like what's what's that up there by the door? Oh, it's the cover on my shrubs, mm-hmm. and it kind of looked like maybe one of the stakes had come out of the ground or something. I thought, uh, I better go get on top of that now. And then I went out there and everything was fine. It was just the wind was catching it underneath. But I went out there and I was walking around for a couple of minutes. I was like, okay, I usually don't acclimate that that quickly, mm-hmm. but I didn't have as much of a problem with it. This time. And it's likely because it just hasn't been around. We just haven't had it but a few days. You know, we've been very warm. And it's been great. And we're going to get back to that next week. So, I love it. A mild winter. I'll take that all day. Yeah, I've had enough, too. I uh, We woke up the other day and there was, everything was snow covered. So, that was cool. Yeah. I got It's yeah. like, okay, I got that in. Mm-hmm. And by the time it got to 1 in the afternoon, 2 in the afternoon, most of it was melted. Which is like yeah. perfect for me. Take the pictures. You walk around. You're like, wonderful winter day. Next day, it's gone. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, I like to be able to. You know, now it's all about mobility. Being able to get out and and go somewhere. You know, I don't want to be stir crazy because we don't handle in Texas the roads. You know, we shut everything down, and well, we just don't have the equipment. See how many schools were closed yesterday here. And, and you're like, why? It likely is a combination of a number of things, um, being able to properly heat, you know, the, the rooms. But also, if there's just a little bit of ice on the ground and someone slips, it's a massive problem. And so when it's that cold, better just to put it off. Well, well a lot of school districts were open. Yeah. Mine yeah. was mine. It was the ones west of right. here. 
and in and in my, the center of the metroplex. Mine was closed, and there wasn't there there wasn't any. I didn't see not even on the side roads did I see any ice build up at all. Well, but on the campus grounds, it might be different. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if they miss a spot, you're in trouble. Well, then there must be mega lawsuits up north. They're better. Well, they're better at you know they have the equipment for it, right? So no, you still you're walking on ice and snow constantly. Hmm. They don't clean it for the kids. They don't care about they, kids. They may clean it, but it's uh, you're still you're not getting through. If there's ice, they're not getting they're not getting through all the ice when the kids are coming to school. No, mm-hmm. unless wow. they unless they all now have. Why heated, don't they care about children? Unless they all have heated sidewalks. Did you see the Bills game the other day? Mm. Oh, oh yeah. Well, all the videos coming out of first of all the the people trying to clear the seats. Yeah. That's. It, it's like, what are we doing? Well, what I was wondering is, where are the people going to sit? And then when the and and so I was watching because I've got a uh, uh, my old friends uh, work for the 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 Bills Broadcasting Network, mm-hmm. you know the the radio division. And so uh, the first thing was when they were saying that okay, uh, we need fans to come in twenty dollars an hour to shovel all night. 20 bucks an hour they're not going to get anybody now you could give 20 you could do 20 dollars an hour maybe pre-covid and get people in i really i heard they had over 60 yeah i figured they'd have a thought because to clear that stadium with shovels yeah you need a thousand people to do it and so they didn't and i went they're not going to clear this thing and they didn't clear it oh. and then when game time started it looked like everybody was in their seats and they weren't. I mean, they were sitting on snowdrifts. Right. You know, and I actually went to a Bills game back in the late 70s where we sat in a snowdrift. We actually were building tunnels. Now, this is when they sucked, and so there probably was only 20,000 people in an 80,000-seat stadium, mm. and we're in the end zone. We're sitting, in this huge, we're sitting on top of this huge drift, and someone said, well, let's make a tunnel, and then we, we can peer out like in – Make a tunnel, then peer out through the hole at the game going on. Right, right. <laughs> um, uh, Jerry Jones had to hire a bunch of people with shovels. It was like 2,000 people to shovel all the BS from the performance <laughs> of the Cowboys <laughs> on Sunday. But then when they they they'd come up with a new term, uh, Snowfetti, instead of confetti because when the bills would would scored they everybody would, would grab snow, snow and throw it up in the air and so okay, this, that's fun so this new word and it, it really yeah. look it looked cool i mean yeah yeah that's I, fun. I would it was funny because i was talking to a couple of my buddies and we we're like we we're looking at tickets yesterday and it was like mm, club seat yeah 30 yard line 546 dollars a piece which by the way for club seat and the club seat has all the radiated heat you're right, under the yeah, roof yeah, and yeah. it comes down and then you can walk right out into the into the huge bar there right, and with right. tvs everywhere right. but when you walk out and i'm like well if i ever got to be old those are the season tickets i would want and so they were <laughs> my buddy's going come on you can go you're big i said no i gotta work i i won't see anything the rest of the year because every game i believe They'll play now is on Sunday night and I'm yeah, sleeping. Right. Yeah. I said, but uh, I said uh, five hundred and forty six dollars. You know, on the secondary market, I'm like, that's not a lot. That actually is a, not a lot at all. At all. No, I'd, I'd consider that to there, be a bargain. Actually, there were a lot of seats, especially in the upper deck for. You know, this is a Kansas City game for you can get them for eighty, ninety bucks. Wow, 
hundreds, yeah. you know, hundred. I yeah. mean, they they were selling them below market value, and the ticket prices went really low the other day. But the stadium looked like it was full. Mm. Yeah, unless they put you All know right. like s- snow snow people mannequins in the tree, <laughs> <laughs> like they were doing during COVID. Yeah, now, and it's funny because. The zoo I loved, you know, when you used to go to the, when I had my season tickets and everything yeah. way back when, yeah. it was great to go. And, and I remember I used to have a press pass and my season tickets and company tickets. And we would just, I'd take somebody and we'd walk up to the press box just to get lunch, but you can't do anything in the press box. You can't cheer, even though it was warm. And I would have rather been out of my seats. Now at this age, I like the TV. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I like the TV, and I have my, you know, my flask of Blackberry brandy right <laughs> right on my recliner. Exactly. I don't need to bring it in. Exactly. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Brought to you by Hot Shot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. In order to manage speed, you need to understand the four factors involved in stopping a vehicle. Perception distance is the distance a vehicle travels from the time you see a hazard until your brain recognizes it. The perception time for an alert driver is approximately three-fourths of a second. Reaction distance is the distance a vehicle travels from the time your brain tells your foot to move from the accelerator until your foot hits the brake pedal. The average driver has a reaction time of three-fourths of a second. Brake lag distance also needs to be taken into account. When operating a vehicle with air brakes, it takes about half a second for the mechanical operation to take place. Finally, braking distance is the distance it takes a vehicle to stop once the brakes are applied. Braking distance is affected by the weight, length, and speed of the vehicle, as well as road condition. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up, mm. have I been plagiarized? Something that I happen to see on Twitter. Well, I don't know. What is the uh, outgoing president at Harvard written? <laughs> no, no. Oh, it's not her? No, it's not. Not her. All right. I mean, I'm doing this tongue-in-cheek, by the way, but yeah. it was something that I saw that I went, only we have said it this way. I haven't heard it anywhere else. Yeah, the the the, the way it's written, it's like, whoa. Yeah. That's almost a quote from, yeah. from us. Right. I'm yeah. Just like, and I'm like, and, and it's, a, it's a great quote, and... We're doing this tongue in cheek, but oh, I'm sure. like, wow. Yeah. I, I'm, but I believe they must be listening. Yeah. We'll have that coming up following the bottom of the hour here.
listeners not now, then now, depending on when now is. Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. No, I was just chuckling when I was saying that that we've been plagiarized. But I I was looking at, it was where I was going through Twitter and looking at a couple of things. What were you talking about a few minutes ago where I saw it and I went, and, and I went, wait a minute, what's this? Oh, I, I think it was on the border, the border mm. stuff. Yeah. And all of a sudden yeah. I come down here and I see Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee, the Nashville Tea Party. Mm. And all of a sudden it's in quotes, so it's not plagiarized, it, but, right, but they right. don't attribute it to anybody. But yeah, here, right. Here's what they say. And, and think about it. Who has said this? Quote, we know that they are lying. They know they are lying. They know we know they are lying. We know that they know that we know that they are lying, and yet they still lie. <laughs> that's. I'm I, sorry, but that's an exact quote from me. <laughs> I haven't heard it anywhere else. <laughs> that's exactly so. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Nashville Tea Party. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And we know they're listening on, you know, Super Talk WTN. Yep. You know, with, and and thank you for that. We, yeah. we greatly appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but when I read that, we know that mm-hmm. they are lying. They know they are lying. Mm-hmm. They know we know they are lying. Mm-hmm. We know that they know that we know they are lying. And yet, they still lie. Yeah. I love it. And then, then, and that's part of the gaslighting. The ultimate of the gaslighting, though, is then they make you feel guilty mm-hmm. for not buying into their lie, right? Yeah, they attempt to make you feel guilty. Like, what? Don't you know? This? Yeah, <laughs> come on, everybody knows this. <laughs> As I have said, Kareem Jean Pierre. <sighs> As I've said before. As I've said many times before. Yeah. We've covered and, this. We all know this. And let me make this clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to make this clear as she fumbles her way through the book. I want to make this clear as soon as I find the right thing to read. <laughs> <laughs> I want to listen, Pete. I'm going to read this very clearly. <laughs> it's so horrible. Seriously. Let me. And by me, I mean the book, Be Clear. The Book of Answers. Is there a wizard somewhere in the White House? Is like Lord of the Rings? Take the book with you, KJP, out to the media. What's the... Uh, hmm. It reminds me of the, you know, the... I expect Denzel Washington to come in, steal that book, and then go all the book way across... A yeah. dystopian nightmare. The, yeah. book, the book of the book, book of, of Eli. Kareen. The book of Kareen. Book of Kareen. <laughs> the book of Kareen. <laughs> Gary Oldman, give me that book. <laughs> and who's the only one that had it memorized? Denzel Washington. Denzel. I mean, that's that's the no the book isn't isn't that the ultimate? It really is. In that that's oh, the, that it. was the ultimate twist at the end. At the end, oh, when you realize what was beautiful. going, I mean, that what a great movie, beautiful, and you know what a great message. Yeah, look, because Gary you, Oldman's character was afraid of the Bible, and right. if he had the Bible, 
and he could recite the Bible, then he believed that people would be loyal to him. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's terrific. You get a movie about faith, and you get to see Denzel slice somebody's arm off. Which I know, it's, it's not required in order to be a good movie, but it, it did happen. I didn't make the movie. They, they made the movie. <laughs> I just watched the movie repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you to the Nashville Tea Party. Yeah. You know, for... Uh, for putting that out, and if you got it from us, that's fine. I I don't know. I'd like be interested to see who oh, spread the word. Yeah, because they have it in quotes, so they know they got it from somewhere. Somewhere. Are what? they just afraid to credit us? <laughs> Is there a fear? Is there an embarrassment? We, we really like what they said. Credit. Nah. We don't really want to say that it came from the guys on Red Eye. Yeah, come on. Let's yeah, not do that. That ruins our credibility. <laughs> <laughs> We're an actual organization. We don't want to. We, we don't want to mess things up. Come on. Oh, but that's great though. Just going through Twitter and it's like, wait a minute, hold it. I haven't seen that anywhere. You know, I've no, seen no, the no. old play on. You know, words of I know that you know, you know that I know, I know that you know that I know. You know, right? That was somewhere, but that is verbatim. Yeah, that's and I haven't heard that anywhere. Yeah, that's that is anywhere else verbatim. Maybe yeah. somebody else said it, but I would love to see it. So. Yeah, but it spread the word. There you they go. Absolutely, but share it with all your friends. <laughs> we will never accuse anybody of you know because I was kidding when I said we will yeah. never accuse anybody of plagiarism. Nah, if you think something we say is great. You can actually say it's from you, and we're happy with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Just don't view it if I'm talking. Just don't say that and lie about it that you came up with it if uh, I'm at some type of political convention and all the beautiful women are talking to me and you use it in order to take their attention away from me and put it onto you. Yeah. That will be the only time I will object to your plagiarism. Yeah. And let's face it. Cute girls love to take pictures with old guys. <laughs> Puppies and old guys. It's it gets you so many likes. <laughs> An old guy with a puppy? You should take a puppy, by the way, if you go. You know, I have to I have to remind myself, I have to be careful what I say mm. about beautiful women, beautiful, you know, young women, because I'll come across as a an old Well. I mean, lecherous old man. But that, well, I don't know. But I, I keep forgetting that I am when an you, old when man. You add perspective in it. Also, could mean a nice-looking lady who's fifty-two. It's all about the perspective by comparison. When you say young, that's true, yeah. right? Because yeah. because I had said at one point that I was really, really interested, <laughs> uh, you know, in this whole, I started thinking about this whole, you know, this cougar thing Yeah, really, really sounds interesting until I realized that in relation to my age, a cougar would be 98. Yeah. Then it didn't have the same impact it, on me. It's not, it's not the same appeal. Yeah. The, the ex- same, the, in the same, uh, I mean, love anticipation, is, love is love, but <laughs> But it is a different appeal.
<laughs> yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> All right. What we're trying to say is thank you, Nashville Tea Party. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was, it was wonderful to see that, though. It yeah. really was when I saw yeah. it. Well, that comes directly from us. And they're a great follow on X, by the way. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so do that. So, yeah. Uh, I just loved, I just love over the last couple of days, and it was after the storm hit, but just all the stories. I, I saw one, uh, it was at KATU in Portland. Uh, you had Chicago stations covering this whole thing about the, the uh, Tesla's not being able to be charged up. Oh, yeah. And yeah. just a number yeah. of articles on it yesterday. I'm like, this is really interesting. This is what, you know, we talked about this before. That maybe the national media will have a blackout on a lot of things. But as we said with the uh, uh, the the border problem now, which is across the nation, one of the reasons it's a problem is not only because it's happening, but because the local TV stations are covering it. Right. You cannot not cover that story. Right. And be a local station. So they're covering it. Mm-hmm. And the same thing here with uh, electric vehicles. It's like, oh, okay, now what's going on here? People start complaining. And uh, I'm reading just the, and we had talked about this yesterday, but National Review, electric vehicles, dead robots in the Chicago cold. No. Mm. Daryl Johnson, an Uber driver, said he waited hours just to get a charger, only to wait even longer while it charged. But the frustrations continued even after he left. After he found out his battery draining faster than normal, it's horrible. It takes two hours, uh, the wait an hour, it takes two hours to charge. Then the charge leaves really quickly. So now you're back at the charger twice a day. Yeah. According, who, who has the time? According to the Associated Press, a 2019 study of five EVs by the AAA found that cold temperatures can temporarily reduce EV range by more than 40% when drivers use interior heaters. You know, the thing that keeps you alive. You know that thing? <laughs> the triple- the, and, and also, battery usage is much higher when people want to, quote, go somewhere. <laughs> the AAA study found that in 20-degree weather, the average driving range fell by 12% when the car's heater was not used, and the range fell by 41% when it was used. Oh, yeah. Of course it will. Right. Several cars had to be towed at the charging station in Rolling Meadows on Sunday night after batteries died while drivers were waiting for open spots. Given that EV batteries take longer to charge in the cold, waiting for the car ahead to charge could take a while, and if... As it's very cold outside, a foolish driver is tempted to turn on the car heater while waiting for the charger Mm. ahead to finish. He or she should keep away from that button. Turning on the car heating will drain the battery even faster. Just wear an uh, overcoat, a hat, gloves. Setting Setting a small fire, however, is not the way to go. That's from National Review, by the way. Yeah. Charging stations have essentially turned into car graveyards in recent days. The temperatures have dropped, and they just go through all the different complaints here. One man said, we've got a bunch of dead robots uh, out here. Yeah, it's a brick. Yeah, 
I mean, that's the, it's just the, you know, it's the reality of the real, again, the real world and, you know, all the, all the delusions about solar and wind and EVs. Mm -hmm. Now it's hitting the reality. The reality is now encompassing all of these uh, hypotheticals about what these things could do. And they didn't pay attention to the science. What I wonder is, what is an EV like when it's, if you're in Phoenix and it's 115, yeah, right, and you've got your AC running full, how does that affect your battery range? I don't know the numbers, but it certainly is going to have a greater effect. It's going to lower your range, no doubt. There's no way it doesn't. And that's the reality. Gasoline vehicles are better than EVs because they can handle all the environmental factors out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. due to the fact that, you know, your air conditioning will probably draw more gasoline, but your heating doesn't draw anything except for the fan working mm-hmm. because the heat's coming directly off the engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you know, you're you're just asking for this kind of scenario. I mean, when you when you're changing the entire equation on on energy, you're asking for this kind of scenario. And we're trying to fix something that's not broke. The left wants you to believe that the entire planet is going to die if we don't do this by 2030. But they've been saying that for decades and decades and decades and decades. Let the private sector do it. And when they get it right, we'll know it. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McMurray. It's interesting because you and I are asking, why did they do a virtual press conference of the White House yesterday? It was the weather. They had bad weather. Uh, you know, Buffalo's getting hit again. Uh, yeah. They're getting massive lake effect snow right now. So, that's, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, I was talking to Dad yesterday, and it was snowing then, and they were, you know, all expecting it. And Dad's getting hit by this one. I mean, it's right over, mm. you know, the worst mm. of it. The worst, and it's like three to five inches an hour is falling. Wow. Yeah, so. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they're expecting maybe, you know, two to three feet in the area. That, now, it's from what I can tell, it's north of the stadium. So, yeah. Yeah. And and they, and it's good weather for the uh, division around Kansas City and mm. Buffalo this coming uh, week. You know, Kansas City, it's funny because Kansas City Arrowhead Stadium is a lot like uh, uh, Highmark Stadium. And Buff- they're both the old traditional open air mm-hmm. and very you know, very, I think, wide yeah. uh, stadiums, yeah. which let the, you know, the all the weather, all the weather comes in. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, wow. But but there's something, there was something cool about it. I, I like it. that stadium setup. If I so, were going to go to a game, I would, I'd like to go to a game in that kind of stadium. When, not, there, when there's nice weather. Not during massive yes. snowfall. Yes. <laughs>
is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.